Welcome to Bedtime Stories for Paddlers podcast. I'm your host, Steve Barber, and on this podcast, we feature river stories from whitewater professionals, such as kayakers, canoeists, river guides, Sifata rescue pros, stand-up paddleboarders, and artists. Everyone has a story that will educate and entertain, and I know everyone has a bedtime story for us that'll help our sphere of awareness grow and help us move with purpose down the river of life. This evening, we have a unique personality who is a professional rafting guest at Wildwater Expeditions for three decades. His first time in West Virginia was also his first rafting trip on the New River with John Dragon and the Wildwater staff in 1974. Douglas Daniel is my guest tonight, and we are going to hear some fun bedtime stories from Southern West Virginia on the New and the Gully Rivers. Let's set this shuttle and get this trip underway. I'm your TL, Steve Barber, and let's welcome our guest this evening on Bedtime Stories for Paddlers. You want to just uh, shoot the breeze for a while? You want to got something in particular you want to talk about or what? Well, a little bit of both. Okay. Well, let me let me play with the screen here a minute and get my get my best. Uh, get yourself looking all good now. I like your whitewater shirt there. That's, what whitewater shirt? What are you talking about? That whitewater shirt you got on. That's looking good. Oh no, it's just this is an old something I pulled out of the closet tonight. <laughs> <laughs> that's good i tried to find a hat but i couldn't find a hat did you buy that on a rafting trip i did i did uh i i hate to i hate to admit this let's see john's dead so nobody else knows about it every every time i would drive down route 19 if a store was open or if, if you know if somebody was around even in the winter time working in the office i'd stop in Say, hey, guys, can I use the toilet? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, I think I'll buy a Coke. Okay. Oh, by the way, do you have any leftover shirts from last season that are reduced? So <laughs> Looking for a deal. Every time I went down there, I tried to, tried to snag a shirt. Nice. So that's John Dragon of Wildwater that you're talking about. And you're talking about yeah, Wildwater. the new base camp there off of Lansing Road. Right. The second one. Yeah, right, the, the second, second one. one. I call it, it the new one. That's what they always called it. Um, but yeah, that was the Lansing gotta, Road one. I got to tell you, did you ever work there when the base camp was at Thurman? No, but we Brother, did start our trips at the base camp in Thurman. Yeah, yeah, that's where the there. put-in was. Mm -hmm. But but when John owned the base camp at Thurman, the first time I went. The second time I went, the time that Marcia and I went and spent a week down there on the river with John trying to get on the gully and there was no release. It was, it was like, it was a totally different experience, man. What year as soon was that? as they moved it. Hmm? What year was that? Well, the first year I went, I went with my dad in 1974. I was okay. Uh, well, wait, let me stop you right there. Is that the first right. trip you ever went rafting? Yeah, yeah, I was. So I was 1974 with your dad. 1974. Yeah, I was in the Navy in uh, Washington D.C. at Bethesda Naval Hospital. Uh, I drove down to Georgia and picked up my dad, and then we drove up into West Virginia. I'd never been to West Virginia before, and the, and the countryside just absolutely blew me away. It was beautiful. And, and as you know, in 1974, uh, 
19 was still mostly two lane and the interstates and the Carter H and all that stuff did not exist. Mm -hmm. So we spend all, all day long driving this two lane blacktop. And finally, after dark, we get to Thurman on the other side of the river where the base camp was. And uh, you got, <laughs> you got flashlights and Coleman lanterns oh, and yeah. the, uh, the accommodations were platforms, wooden platforms with army, uh, command tents on them, just canvas tents. It was a canvas tent with a center pole, ridge pole, and, uh, you know, two center poles at each end. That's perfect That's after a long drive. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Just what you wanted, man. Yeah. Oh. And it would hold maybe, I don't know, there were probably six of us in the tent. There was dad and I, and there was a, a guy and his daughter, uh, his young daughter, and two others. There were a couple of them that thought they were going to be cots and didn't bring sleeping bags, so they were sleeping on the boards. Dad and I had sleeping bags, and, and that's how we spent the night. Nice. And as well, you don't remember it, but there was a switch yard for the CNO railroad on the other side of the river on the Thurman side. And all night long, it was clank, clank, connect, disconnect, oh, the uh, night train. you know, all the coal cars moving. You got no sleep at all. Mm -mm. Uh, actually I found out, uh, later that dad didn't get any sleep either. So, you know, it was, it was a restless night. We got up the next morning and Melanie and John built a campfire and, nice. and we had breakfast and, uh, what was the then, breakfast? What, what, what now? What, what was the breakfast digs? what did they give you? The breakfast was probably scrambled eggs and bacon and, and toast. And that would have been about it. Uh, now the big deal was uh, the end of the upper trip. He had a steak dinner oh. with a barbecue. That was that was the big deal. The rest of the time, you were kind of eating Vienna sausages out of a can and hoop cheese and drinking RC cola. And Roughing like it. Because there was a little country store just right next door to the, to the base camp there. The sanitary facilities were interesting. There was one, uh, there was a one-holer that was kind of up the river, you know, up the bank. And uh, you had to kind of knock on the door before you decided to use the facilities. There was no running water. If you wanted to bathe, you walked down to the, to the put-in with a bar of ivory soap that you bought next door so it would float. Uh, and I guess if you were brave, you dropped your trunks. But I, I, I didn't have any... Uh, I didn't have that much guts. I just kind of took my shower and uh, took my bath in the, in the bathing trunk. <laughs> but it was, it was so primitive. I mean, primitive is the only word to describe it. There was a, there was a big two-story white frame house. that must have been, it had to be 100 years old or more. And that's where the staff lived. And that was the equipment yard. It was very small. How many staff uh, members did they have at the time? Do you recollect? Staff like members? A, Let's see. Like a general. I can remember maybe five or six. See, I, I didn't know anybody at the time. I, I knew John before I left because John was such a charismatic guy mm -hmm. 
you had all you had to do was see him and have one conversation and and you know you you knew john dragon for the rest of your life yeah he was uh, a great guy really enjoyed but there my was time a big him. there was a really tall guy with dark black hair and a black beard i remember him there were a couple of girls I don't know if Melanie and John were staying in the house or if they had already moved across the river to Thurman. They, they may have, but uh, they, uh, they pumped up the, uh, the rafts before they left the base camp and hauled them on the trailer. As they, didn't, they didn't take them flat to put in and then you know plug in the generator. It was all done by hand with a hand pump. Um, and those were the, the big, rafts. the big rafts, the ten-person rafts. See, that was the thing. These things were like 13, 14 feet long, with maybe four or five cross tubes. They were huge. They they were so big until they they were probably more difficult to uh, maneuver, obviously than a, than a R4, R6, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were they were so big that there there were there were two rapids I remember specifically. One was sunset, and I've forgotten what the second one was, but it was the two worst ones on the river. And the protocol was everybody on the trip, there were there were two guides in each boat, one in the front, one in the back. Mm-hmm. And bow everybody guide. would how many? The bow guide. Yeah, there was a bow bow guide and there was a, a aft guide, mm-hmm. two in each two in each boat. Because they were so big, and they would all pull over to river right or river left. They would all get into the shoreline or into an eddy before they'd try to shoot the rapid, and then all the guides would get out and go with John and go down and scout the rapid and see what they were going to do. Then they would come back and they would load up the boat with four guides, two in the front, two in the back, one in each corner. And, and, uh, the guests would be sitting. <laughs> the, the rafts were not the self bailing. They had uh, big number 10 school kitchen soup cans. And if you didn't have a paddle, you had a soup can, and when you went through the rapid, your job was to keep constantly bailing the raft while the guys with the paddle kept it going. So they would take half the boats through with doubled up guides, and then the guides would get out and walk back up the bank and bring down the second half. And they did this twice. That's a tough walk, and that takes some time. Oh, it did. It did. Oh, Each goodness. one of these two rapids must have taken at least total time with the, with the getting into the eddy and the scouting and, uh, and then running one through and then walk back up. You know what the rocks are like down there. Climbing yes, I back do. Back up the rocks and, uh, and then you go do it again. Oh, my and goodness. it had to be at least 30, if not 45 minutes for each one of those. It, uh, I would say at least. It, it was an experience. I can, I can tell you what I do remember. I remember the boat that I was in was, was something like 14 feet long. And dad was sitting right there beside me on the tube on the other side. 
and we're coming up to the to this to the beginning of the rapid at the top and and the guides know exactly all four of them they've got it planned out man it's a military operation they know exactly how they're going to run it and what they're going to do and all of a sudden we went over the lip of that thing and i you know i said to myself holy moses what is what is this because oh surprise that's what the other one was surprise oh, okay. and sunset maybe okay so all of a sudden you've never done this before except the day before when you did the the new uh, upper part of the new which was kind of the girl scout trip is what john called it uh but all of a sudden you're looking at this gaping hole of water with this hydraulic at the bottom of it and it's it's like you're it's like you're in an airplane in a nosedive. The thing starts going over the top. And then when it makes the drop, it folds. And I swear to God, I looked over my shoulder before the bow of the boat hit the hydraulic at the bottom. The back guide was still sitting up there at the lip. That, that thing had to be like a 14 foot not a, not a 90 degree drop, but it had to be like at least a 14 degree drop. Scared the be Jesus out of me. The boy, boat, was it fun. The boat tacoed, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, there, there was one good thing about it. And, and this was true for the whole trip, no matter how scared you got, if you peed your pants, nobody knew it, you know, it didn't matter. So, you know, it could have been worse. Nice. Okay. Did um, they have lunch on the river? Yes. Yes. Every trip did. Even back then, they were not nearly as, what's a good word? They were not as extravagant a cuisine as they got into later on when the other sure. companies started competing for, you know, gold-plated toilet oh, yeah. faucets and printed water, you know, stuff. It lunch was very basic. It was PB and J's and uh, bologna sandwiches, and they made them. I guess there wasn't a food facility at the base camp at Thurman. They must have made them either in the house or they made them across the river in, in Thurman. If John and Melanie had a house over there, but no, it was it was not champagne flutes and uh, candles and white napkins at all but everybody was was so tired and so excited and so hungry so there were no leftovers i mean oh, we yeah. were like pigs in a trough river river lunches always taste the best i mean you know it's not a, it. it's not about it's not about the food i mean they could they could have given you a bowl of corn mush but you were out there in the middle of nowhere in in a in an absolute wilderness yeah totally isolated in some of the most beautiful country you were ever going to see uh, with people going <laughs> with people going up up river or down river depending on whether they were male or female to relieve themselves oh, i yeah. think the rule was uh skirts go up and pants go down as yep. far as which way you went to keep from running into each other but it, it was it was the most primitive conditions I had ever encountered. 
I mean, boy, boy scout camp wasn't even like this. At boy scout camp, they had showers, you know, mm-hmm. but I mean, this, this was like, you were, you were living out in the wilds of West Virginia and, and, and you did for a day, you spent a solid day in the wildest, most wonderful place on earth. It was great. Now, what did they issue you as a raft guest before you got on the boat? Like, Oh, well, nothing really. A paddle. Uh, They give you a paddle and a PFD, I hope, right? No, no. All you got was, well, yeah, you did get a flotation device. They had a vest of sorts that they would put on you. And there were paddles that said whitewater. Uh, There were no helmets because I was wearing, (laughs) I was wearing a straw hat, a straw farmer's hat that I tried to keep on all day. Uh, Had to wear tennis shoes to keep from, uh, or, or booties. Mostly, everybody mostly had tennis shoes to keep from knocking a hole in the bottom of the, of the uh, tubes. I can tell you one thing that's kind of interesting, I thought. John went to a uh, fabricator of uh, rafts for the United States Navy. I guess they were using them for SEAL teams, and he had a specific design uh, and he told the guys at this, and the manufacturing plant was somewhere out in the wilds of West Virginia. They must have cut the rubber and molded these things and glued them and put Demry. them. Demry, Demry inflatable. Is that where it was? Boats, yeah. Dibs. So, so he actually designed what he wanted, and the first ones he designed were like the Queen Mary with three stacks on them, and when those finally were replaced he was using a much smaller much lighter raft the first ones were not the self-bailing the self ones just sucked in water like a vortex and and would barely float but by by the first five years or so he got into the second phase and you had the self-bailing raft with the elevated floor with the holes in it revolutionary that that made all the difference in the world, oh, Steve. Yeah. No oh, kidding. Yeah. I mean, uh, it made the trip so much more enjoyable for the guests because you did, we didn't have to bail water all. No time. doubt, that took an element out of there. Now, let me ask you: How old were yeah. you, and how old was your dad when you did this? Oh, trip? Well, that's a good question. I was probably in my early to mid thirties. The re one one of the considerations for me, I was going to be gone for three years. Dad was probably well into his fifties, and I had a long conversation with myself, and I said, you know, if I'm ever going to do something like this with my dad, I better do it now before I leave, because he may not be here when I come back. So. Uh, that that was the motivation to take him on the trip. Uh, he uh, he told me later that the first night we were there, the night we came in in the dark, he didn't get any sleep. I got very little sleep. The first day on the Upper New, there was only one class two, as I remember, and the rest of it, you know, you could swim just about. But he was he was very uncomfortable uh, with being on the water like that. He grew up on a farm when he was a kid, 
he told me years later that the second night that we spent in the tents after the steak dinner, before we were going to do the lower the next day, when uh, there were stories being told about how big the rapids were and how huge the water was and how great it was going to be. Well, if you, if you remember, and you probably don't, but the base camp at Thurman, um, there, there, were, there, there were Thurman Rapids right uh, below Thurman, where Thurman was on River Right, and then there were some little Ripley Rapids and stuff, and then you got into the pool, the big pool, and then the, the e-ticket for Disneyland started. Well, Dad said he laid on his cot on, in the sleeping bag all night long, the second night, hardly slept at all because he could hear the rapids that were going to be the first thing the next morning. He could hear that water all night long, plus the coal cars across the river. And he told me, he said, you know, I, I, really, I really didn't think I could do it. And uh, I, I, I considered all night long, maybe I should just, uh, you know, stay here and, uh, and, and let him go and we'll take the trip back. He said, finally, he got to the point that, that he said, no, this is a once in a lifetime thing. And if, if there's a serious injury or if I drown or, you know, whatever it is, other people have done it, and I'm going to do it. I never knew that. He looked like he was having a great time the next day, but he had the bejesus scared out of him he before, he, before he even got in the water. We did something different every time. I remember the first time we went, we, we got out and we walked up the, the tunnel that went under the railroad on River Ride. Yes. And we got off and went to the old abandoned Kmore uh -huh. top and bottom or and went to the old abandoned cup. We had a lot of little side trips during the day because they yeah. had to fill in some time. Those side trips are wonderful on new river. Oh, oh but, wonderful. but nobody sees that anymore. Does anybody ever go down there and see that? I don't Last know. I saw the, the, the feds had already put up barbed wire fences and signs and everything except armed guards with uh with a german shepherd dog i don't know if it's even accessible anymore when i was a river guide um from 96 to 96 to 2005 we did that we took people to those sites we hiked them up to the sites to the tipples um and we did it in 95. So I can't say after, or I'm sorry, I can't say after 2005 if they did okay. that anymore. Uh, with my two sons, who, who you know, we mm -hmm. took uh, a long weekend trip down there and they were going to go mountain biking one day. And I was, you know, by myself and I'm not going to sit here and watch Oprah all day. So I went over to the trailhead down at, uh, Oh, where was it? Down at the put out, down at the bridge, there was a trailhead and I hiked all the way up. I guess it was the old railroad bed all the way up to Thurman and, and went to the mine addicts and uh, 
went to the buildings and climbed the man trip and, you know, did all that stuff. Nice. The old Thurman base camp was, was just lost to the world. Once the, once the feds bought it, I mean, they used to park trucks down there. That's, that's what they used it for was a parking lot. Yeah. It was unfortunate. Uh, We were uh, some of the last folks that got to work uh, as yeah. river guys at that place. And man, well, really cool. you know, it's a, it's a different experience now. When, yeah. wh- when I went, it was a thrill of a lifetime and the entertainment by the gods was as good as any vaudeville show that was ever put on a stage. I mean, mm-hmm. they did everything except tap dance down the side tubes, you know, they, they kept you laughing all day long. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it changed and, and you probably saw this more than anybody else. Cause you were working right in the middle of the milieu. It went from being this, this primitive, uh, you know, hold your breath, grit your teeth, holy Jesus, what's next kind of experience. It went to, oh, let's see. I think I'll have the nachos with cheese and uh, a hot dog with chili sauce and uh, uh oh oh is it time to go okay well let's all get on the raft and we'll we'll float down the river and then we'll have a beer over at the bar yeah. and uh and go on to philadelphia wherever you were going to the, I, I can't agree with experience. you but i still think that the core uh reason for people to go rafting on the new river and the gully but we're talking the new river is always there and it, it, you know, it was the same thing at the beginning and the same thing as it is now, not to cut the industry short now, but it's the guide taking the people down the river and showing them the river, telling them the history, you know, and then going through these big rapids. Is there some spectacular whitewater on the new river? Now the, the lunches have definitely changed but the ability for people to pack the lunches has gotten better for people to, you know, get the lunches and, you know, uh, the food choices have gotten better. And I understand all that has evolved, but one thing has really remained the same. And that's just like putting your paddle in that water, feeling those big hits come explode over your bow of your boat and drench all your buddies. And that's what everybody always leaves with. And that is the new river story that will never change. What I'm interested to kind of push towards is your experiences. You know, a lot of people know the kind of the whole um, upbringing of the industry there, but not a lot of people know your experiences. And I find one of the uh, great things about your experiences is you went with your dad for the first time and then you took your son or sons for the first time. And I think that that's a really fantastic oh. thing. And that's something that hey, I think on. a lot of fathers are out crying. there. Knock it off. Will you? Well, I don't, I don't mean to make you cry, but you know, <laughs> you created a, a person that could be your river guide. So you didn't have to pay anymore. I think that is brilliant. It was, it was, it was remarkable. It was one of the most remarkable relationships that I ever had with another human being in my whole life. For John and Slick and Chris, it was probably, you know, just another one with uh, 
uh, that's taking a trip. Well, no, it wasn't like that. I think they knew me a little bit better. But, but yeah, it started a family tradition. Dad and I went, and I was, I was so taken with it that uh, at initially, John insisted that anyone could go on the Upper River trip, even, even small children with PFDs, and, and that was fine. But if you were going to go down the lower, he wouldn't let you do the, the lower until you had done the upper with him or unless you had credible whitewater experience. And you had to be 14 years old. Well, uh, my younger son was like four years younger than his older brother. So the year that, uh, that Will got to make the lower trip, when he was 14, Blaine, the younger son, we had to get a babysitter there at the camp. One, one of the girls that was not necessarily a guide, but one of the girls that worked out, was very good and took care of him all day, kept him occupied. I guess they played horseshoes, whatever. But he was, he of course was upset. He wanted to go and said, no, no, there's no way in hell. When you hit 14, uh, I'll take you. Uh, and it, it didn't quite work out that way. Uh, I, had, I had a trip planned to take my older son and I was working out of town and uh, they said, we really need you to stay. And I said, well, I can't stay. I gotta go back. My kid, I'm taking him down the river. We don't have a great time. We will pay you so much money that you can't refuse. And, and they did. I mean, they pulled out a big sack of money. So I got our pastor to, to take him and paid all their expenses. And so my older son made his first trip down the lower new with, with our pastor. Then when, <laughs> when the younger brother hit 14, he and I were going to do a trip on the lower and uh, he was typical 14 year old. He had, he had more than just a little bit of an attitude. Mm. And the first day that we were on the upper, uh, everybody in the boat with us, I think was hoping that he would, he would fall out with <laughs> a cement block tied around his ankles and, you know, wouldn't have to worry about it. it it was not a pleasant trip for everybody. Mm -hmm. And we got back to the base camp by now. Do you remember the ark that they built the, oh, yeah. the uh, place where you slept over at Thurman and when they added the storage and when they added the kitchen, when they had the renovation, do you remember that? Oh yeah. Okay. Big upgrade. So Huge. we get back from the trip on the upper and I, I, I get John aside and I said, John, I got a problem. I need to, I need to do something to change my younger son's attitude because he's starting to go in the wrong direction from what I would like to see him go. He's, he's, he's not a very nice guy. Sometimes I need something to give him confidence. I need something that will give him confidence in his ability to take care of himself and he, he doesn't have to strut and show off and all like that. And I asked John, I said, 
do you think you could find one of the guides that maybe would take a couple of the kayaks and just get them out here in the pool at Thurman for a couple of hours with a paddle and, and you know, just take some, some time with me. John said, yeah, it's, it's done. Don't worry about it. Uh, we'll take care of it. Nice. That was the first time he got in a kayak. And the guy that took him out there must have spent, I don't know, an hour, hour and 45 minutes with him. After that, he developed such an interest that he bought his own kayak and uh, he would go over to the swimming pool at the local college and practice his roles Nice. and got, got to be pretty good. He ended up, uh, well, you remember this. He ended up on the staff as a guide, uh, ended up as an ACA uh, kayak instructor, uh, swift water safety training. I mean, oh yeah, uh, the river became an integral part of his life. It didn't for his brother. His brother went a couple of times and said, yeah, this has been great, but you know, I got other things to do. Mm-hmm. He spent the, the younger son, Blaine, spent every summer guiding for John on the river. And then he would spend the winters uh, doing ski patrol over at Snowshoe Ski Resort. So he got to develop a tremendous self-confidence and he learned uh, skills as far as trauma management and how to uh, manage crisis situations like like when things are going really bad, how the hell are we going to get everybody out of here? Stuff like that. Right. That, that took him through the rest of his life. And after about, uh, I don't know, 30 years of this living on the edge summer and winter, he went to, he started nursing school when he was 40 years old and all the other students just held him in awe. They thought he was Superman because, uh, they would ask him, well, you know, why weren't you scared when that person was uh, having trouble breathing or this? Hey, listen, you know, <laughs> you, you drag people out of the water that don't breathe too good for a while. And you see people on the ski slope with compound fractures oh, and, yeah. and you learn how to manage those kind of situations without, uh, you know, without, without losing your Cheerios. Do you remember a guy named Schroeder? Schroeder. No. From out of town that would come in just for golly season. No. He, he would come in and, uh, and guide for wild water uh, on weekends on golly season. He was, I don't know, he was a dentist or, you know, some guy in Chicago. And he and Slick were, uh, were running the raft that Marcia and I were in on the golly. And we get to the top and we stop and Slick says, now, now look, this this is really dangerous here there's all kinds of big rocks on the bottom and there's a lot of turbulence don't worry about the paddle you know don't try to save the paddle just get through this rapid whatever you do and i'm going to stress this do not fall out of the raft Mm -hmm. and lost paddle Mm -hmm. 
And everybody nodded their head and said, sure, Slick, no problem there, we'll do fine. Just as we go in, guess who falls out of the boat? You. Right in the lost paddle. Schroeder is in the, oh, back of the, the guide. in the back of the boat. And he says, oh, no, oh, no, he's in the water. He's in the water. Oh, oh, this is horrible. <laughs> there is a girl in the middle of the boat who was sitting right beside me. She couldn't have weighed more than 90 pounds soaking wet. She was a secretary. She was a typist from Chicago. I guess she knew Schroeder, maybe. I don't know. So here I am in the water, and all of a sudden, this hand comes out of the boat, grabs me with one hand, and pulls me back in the boat, and it's the little 90-pound typist from Chicago. Literally sa sailed, oh, saved my life. Nice. You know, I didn't, I didn't get any injuries or anything, but whenever I tell somebody, oh yeah, I, I fell out and lost paddle, they get this ashen look on their face and oh, yeah. say, no, you didn't. You're lying. So no, no, I've been in there. It's a lot of fun. I remember going down the river and with all wild water staff and Chris Dragon was guiding and we hit the Hawaii five Oh wave on second drop of lost paddle. And he came out. And we were all paddling. Oh, yeah. He flew right out the back. And we were all wow. paddling real hard. We're like, yeah, this is great. And we went past the, <laughs> we went past the video kayaker. And he's like, you got a guy out. You got a guy out. You know, <laughs> swimmer, swimmer is what he said. And we looked around. We're looking around. And we're like, there's nobody swimming in our boat. We're, we're good. We just kept, I mean, we're charging. We're river guides. So, you know, we all got the good stroke. Little did we know it was our, it was our guide, Chris Dragon, that was swimming. So we're like, Oh no, you gotta, you, you know, we gotta get him. And oh, was man. this the year that they took the yellow raft on the golly, the Domar? Well, apparently yeah, that's Eric's Domar, but, design that John had come up with. Right. I don't know, but it was the Domar. Uh, that was a, that did was Eric. Otten's raft. Oh yeah. Yeah, Eric Ottenreeth owned that for a long time. We all got Chris, to paddle that. Chris was was uh, was running that particular uh, boat that year, and there was some radical design. It had a square end. It was like a mm. uh, uh, it was like a box at the back. It was totally square. It had a cross tube between two side tubes, and then the front had a bow. And uh, Chris was, was riding on the back tube, and it was only one tube, and it blew out. <laughs> and there was no back to the raft. I mean, <laughs> you know, it was, it was like somebody just took a knife oh. and just cut, cut the back of the raft off. He oh, finished so the trip riding on one of the side <laughs> tubes like You've seen these guys riding the mechanical bulls at Gillies and stuff. Yeah. That's, that's the way he finished the trip on the goalie. Ask, ask Chris about that sometime. Ask him about the time he blew out the back end of the raft. Can't wait. <laughs> it was I can't a lot of wait. fun. Oh my goodness. Well, there's some really good bedtime stories and I think we've, you know, laid down a couple here this is nice this is real nice and this is what it's about 
Well, I tell you what, the next time you got nothing to do, uh, let me know ahead of time and we'll do this again. Uh, I'd like to revisit I don't know. that. I can, uh, I can make up lies. I can tell you lies <laughs> about all kinds of things that I'm I did sure. down in the New River Gorge. I'd like to revisit that uh, um, overseas trip there, Costa Rica, Puerto Rico. Was oh, it Costa Rica? I could, I could tell you. Oh. We ought to we ought to do that sometime. Yeah. We ought to talk about. Did Did you ever go to Costa Rica with John? I did not, but I've been to Costa Rica, we need, we and need I to do love that Costa Rica. That's a sweet place. Was it the Raventazon or the Pacuare? Uh, we did both. We did the Pacuare, the Raventazon, and we yeah. spent two days in the uh, rainforest on one of the rivers, camped out in the rainforest with oh, the man. army ants. Oh, man. Uh, we got to hear about that No, man, that the, Coast, the Costa Rica trip was a riot. Uh, it nice. came right after a tropical storm in Costa Rica, and every morning, John and the other outfitter would go out and they would look and say, gee, you know, you really think we ought to go today? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, well, let's see how it looks when we get there. And we went, we went every day, but nice. yeah, that was, that was, and the best part of the trip, the water was great, but the best part of the trip was, was John and Melanie and, and the other friends of theirs in the group. And, you know, it, it's like, it, it gets to be like family. I hate to yeah. say it. Oh, it is. But I feel Absolutely. a family connection to all those people that I met in the wild water organization. I really do. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, let's table that. And you think about that for next time and we'll, uh, we'll call you back for another bedtime story. How about that? Hey, Hey, listen, I'm not cheap, but I'm good and I'm, I'm easy. So call me anytime. All right, Mr. Daniel, we appreciate having you on the show. Good Thank luck you with your so project. Much. I hope it goes, I hope it goes really good for you. Thanks. We appreciate you. And, uh, thank you so much for giving us some of your Thanks for the stories. opportunity. I really enjoyed it. All right, my man. Well, you have sweet dreams and until the next time I'll see you. Okay. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you, Mr. Daniel for being part of the podcast this evening. And thank you to all our listeners out there. We heard some cool stories about the old days at Wildwater Expeditions on the new Ngali Rivers. It was an honor to have Mr. Daniel on the show tonight. I hope you enjoyed it too. It's our intention to archive stories encompassing the whitewater paddling community. And we look forward to talking with more whitewater enthusiasts, kayakers, raft guides, canoeists, sofar rescue pros, stand-up paddleboarders, and artists. I'm hoping this collection of education will increase our sphere of awareness on the river, help us move with purpose, just entertain us on our journey downstream on the river of life. Thank you to everyone. And until the next bedtime stories for paddlers, sweet dreams.